Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. And I am back with my friends, Julie Seibert and Pastor Angie McCarty. And today's topic may seem a, a, like a slight detour from our from our theme all summer long, but it's really not because when we talk about summer loving, we also have to talk about summer fighting because I don't know about right. y'all, but it really doesn't need to be yeah. summertime in order for me to... <laughs> you know, find something to fight about. <laughs> I was going to say, Shannon, do you only, do you and Charlie only fight in the summer? Is that like, you have boundaries on that? Nope. Uh, June to, June to August. That's Fair it. game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about fighting like lovers do because inevitably it happens to all of us, to the best of us. Mm-hmm. I would actually be concerned about a couple who never has tension. I would say that those are two incredibly passive people pleasers who probably don't have a lot of good tension in their relationship. Uh, unless of course, you're one of those people who have just evolved to a very, uh, high mature state of being and existing with one another. Uh, if that's you, well, those people probably don't listen to our show. Let's just be real. (laughs) (laughs) I think the people who listen to our show are probably like us that, you know, on even on any given day, it doesn't take much for that spark to turn into a flame or a raging fire of anger. And so let's talk right. about how best to fight like lovers do. The idea being that it eventually works toward a reconciliation and even the all famous makeup sex. Julie, you had mentioned yeah. that makeup sex is a regular thing in your house. I guess that means that fighting is a regular thing in your house. <laughs> Well, I will say we, we have had some, some really good makeup sex and I, I definitely, we would fall in the camp of, um, we have our fair share of ups and downs and disagreements. And, uh, so yeah, I do think it is good to learn how to fight well and learn how to make up well. And we're in process with that as well. So yeah, definitely. You want to know some ideas I have on conflict Uh, and how to press the pause button before we do that okay i wanted to ask uh if y'all had any interesting or funny stories when topic what came to my mind first is my parents very first argument in their marriage and they were married for like 56 years before my dad died um their very first argument came up as a topic of conversation every time we passed a pasture full of cattle. So like I was constantly reminded about their first argument. So my dad was in the military in Tripoli, North Africa, and my mom was in Alabama and it was her cousin that got them writing to each other. So his first trip into town, he proposed to her and his second trip into town was their wedding. So they were on their honeymoon, having had very little time around each other. And my dad was raised in Texas. And so, I mean, they both have Southern accents, but an Alabama accent and a Texas accent is, believe it or not, somewhat different. So they passed by this pasture full of cattle. And my mom said, oh, look at that Brahma bull. And my dad said, there's no such thing. And my mother swore up and down, I beg to differ. My daddy raised those. And my dad was just like, you're crazy. It, it, so it turned into this big argument that uh, I think that my dad stormed out of the car when they stopped to get gas because he just was so upset 
about this argument that they were having about this ridiculous thing. He thought that she said, look at those mama bulls. And he was ready to, uh, to you know, like die on that hill of there's no such thing as a mama bull because bulls are male. But she was saying mama uh-huh. bull. So sometimes you just have to realize that right. the communication just gets skewed when it's two different people talking. So uh, I think it begs the question, do you want to be right or do you want to be connected? If my dad had just been like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> then maybe their first fight wouldn't have happened so quickly. Well, I do think something you said, Shannon, is so true. And I always, you know, in coaching and in, you know, writing and stuff, I always say to couples, it's like, you really have to decide which mountains you're going to die, die on the side of. Because yep. I think sometimes, especially early in marriage, or maybe when we're younger, um, before we develop some of the skills, uh, you want to die on the side of a lot of mountains <laughs> and you you realize oh my goodness if we're going to spend our marriage both of us wanting to die on the side of so many mountains and be right uh it's going to make for a long tense union or a short union <laughs> depending, on, <laughs> depending, depending on how you look at it it's like that's the last mountain i'm dying on short unhappy union for sure right. so shannon put a pin in your parents story there because i want to come back to that okay. um but i saw the funniest thing on facebook a little meme it was a cartoon and it was um two praying mantises manti what's the yeah. plural there were two of them praying mantis female and a male <laughs> female and a male and you know the male kills the female after they have oh i think it's the other way is the it? male it's the, the female black female whip, kill right oh, yeah and then okay wait yeah, the I'm, female this can't is totally be killed or else the babies would yeah. be killed too one so, of yeah oh <laughs> yeah there you go okay so forget all of that um, <laughs> no, you're good. Keep going. Push them. through. <laughs> and the caption under this little cartoon is after we have sex, but before I kill you, I'm going to need your help with some shelves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Like that like is this good. inner nature that, that rules their world. But then the practicalities of stuff has to get done. Right. And please do it before I kill you. Right. Right. I love it. Conflict. Let me just make clear when we have conflict with our partners, killing them is not an option. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm advocating. I have felt that way before. (sighs) Um, not in seriousness, but oh my gosh, conflict can be so irritating and so hard. And so, um, demoralizing too right it it sometimes calls into question the entire foundation of a relationship um I know in my experience I have a trigger every time Jonathan and I have conflict because my first husband left there is this pit in my stomach that I immediately go to oh my gosh, is Jonathan going to leave too? Right. And five years into our marriage, he has learned because I have taught him that if at the beginning of conflict, he says, look, I'm not going to leave. Here's the issue. And we talk. If if that's the first thing that comes out of his mouth, 
that is, that settles my heart, settles most of my anxiety. Um, so I think part of, part of, um, conflict is healthy conflict is to know what your partner needs Yeah, and, and honor that. I love that. I, I loved how that, just that one little phrase can help you exhale and settle in and listen to what he has to say mm -hmm. instead of this really chaotic conversation going on in your own head of, is he going to leave too? Is he going to leave too? Right. Right. And, and if he doesn't say that, then I get in a spiral and genuinely can't hear anything he says because I'm right. making my out plan. Right. <laughs> okay. If he's going to leave, then what am I going to do? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's irrational. I know this. But we're irrational so. beings. I mean, who of oh, us yeah. can honestly say that we never feel irrational or that we never choose a hill to die on that was really more of an anthill or molehill right. or mountain? Um, and I think that so much of it does kind of stem back from how we felt either in previous relationships or in our previous life of, of just childhood of and was yeah. I seen? Was I heard? Were my feelings validated? And if the answer to those questions is no, I think that it's so much easier to view tension and conflict in a much more scary lens of, oh no, am I going to feel ousted from the tribe? Am I going to feel disconnected from this person too? What's wrong with me that I can't get people to validate my feelings? Whereas people who have been seen and heard and their feelings have been honored, that's what they expect. So it's just amazing how we drag our childhood baggage into adulthood. Oh, it's yes. And we're how, basically how a hurting little girl trapped in a grown woman's body and a hurting little boy trapped in a grown man's body having an argument with each other. That's how mm -hmm. it works. And we know how well six-year-old arguments end. <laughs> I'm going to take it, my toys and go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Shannon, you talked about um, couples who don't fight. Um, I think that my aunt and uncle haven't fought or don't fight. Yeah. They've been married for over 50 years. They are delightful people. They have three children and all of their children have been divorced, married and divorced at least once. Yeah. And my cousin reflected on that and said, because she never saw her parents fight when she fought with her spouse, she thought that that was unnatural, that that's not supposed to happen that, um, that this was the end. So I'm not advocating fighting in front of your kids all the time, but the important thing I think to teach our children is that, is that conflict is going to happen when you are yeah. in relationship with people. Yes. And this is how we healthily resolve that conflict. That right. is so true. I didn't think about the fact that parents who don't model it openly, don't give their kids those skills. And I could imagine that a fight mm -hmm. in their marriage would feel very threatening and scary when it could just be your everyday run of the mill misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Julie, you're going to chime in there. Yeah, I am. But in fact, you both kind of touched on, uh, it was good segue. You touched on stuff that I've been actually doing deep work with in my own, with my counselor, about uh triggers you mentioned that word angie trigger and that is true about some things in our past whether it's from our childhood and i have been learning and uncovering a lot about my past 
and with my parents' divorce and with my uh, first um, marriage and my husband leaving me and um, a, a good friendship I had that ended very badly. And I, what I learned is that when Randy and I, why it's such a hard trigger for me is when Randy and I are not intentional or I feel like he's not being intentional with our relationship. Um, I feel it's a trigger of all that stuff in the past that I wasn't worth it, that I'm not worth it and he's not going to fight for me. And so what I would say in real, you know, in relation to conflict with that is sometimes when we're learning things about ourselves, it really helped me when I had a conversation with Randy based on this work I was doing in my own counseling, my own deep work to be able to say, um, I am learning things about myself and I want to share those with you to help you better understand me instead of coming at it where maybe his defenses are going to go up pretty quickly if he feels like I'm accusing him of not doing enough or not doing it right or not doing instead if I come at it from this is my heart of what I'm learning very hard difficult deep stuff about myself and I want to share it authentically because I want you this you know my most important person to understand me and when we practiced that when we did that after I had this big growth and revelation in in counseling it really softened him so sometimes I think how we approach making a point or bringing something up that's difficult makes all the difference um, in helping our partner be softer towards us. Uh, and there's no guarantees, but like my counselor reminded me, you can't control the other person, but you can take ownership for your own expression and your own behavior and uh, so, yeah, that's a huge tip, I would say, is sometimes when we can couch it in, this is what I'm learning about me and I want to share it because I want you to better understand me. And yeah. that fundamentally is taking responsibility for yourself. Right. So when we have conflict using those I statements and yeah. I feel this way. Um, yeah, that, Julie, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It, that is such a vulnerable position to be in. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's vulnerable no matter how long you've been married, no matter oh, how yeah. long you have known your partner, it, yeah, it can just be scary to share that much of yourself. Well, and, and, and another, deep down, that's deep down. That's what we're trying to do is we're trying to build yes. vulnerability and safety. And, and here's the, here's the huge aha moment is that when I did that, so, and this is all real fresh and recent for Randy and I on this particular thing. And when I did that, it really helped him be vulnerable with me about some of his own stuff and his own anxieties and insecurities. And so it was huge in that regard. And that's, that's this, you know, that's that oneness and that trying to build that. And it just creates a better foundation for navigating through conflict because, like we've said, it's not an issue of if you're going to have conflict, it's only a matter of when. Right. And um, you spend your lifetime as a married couple figuring out how to navigate that for sure. Well, so let's make this theological as the pastor who is writing a doctoral thesis and feeling kind of um, biblically literate these days in 
in the story of creation, when the couple was naked and felt shame, nakedness has so much to do with vulnerability. Oh, without a doubt. Completely Mm -hmm. open. Everything was known to God and to put yourself in that position is scary. And I was going to say that, uh, not only is it vulnerable for you to do that, I think that it's brilliant. I think it's almost magical Mm -hmm. because you're coming at your partner and instead of making it about them, which puts them on the defensiveness, because as Charlie had said many times, the, the ego's number one job is to defend itself. You're making it about you. I'm entrusting you with something about me that again, Mm -hmm. that's magical. Talk about charming and disarming. Uh, that's yeah. Kudos to you, Julie, for doing that work. And thank you for sharing that sacred experience with us. Um, I want to share a formula that I have taught for many years. I derived it out of one of the most valuable books that I read during my master's in counseling was a book called gifts from the heart by an author named Randy Fugition. And it's F U J I like Fuji apple S H I N. And he talks about the slack method for arguments. So this is how it goes. It's an acronym for sit, listen, ask, compromise, kiss. So you sit because you think about when you're in a fighter's stance, you're standing. And so to have a serious conversation about something that's bothering you when you're standing, that can kind of communicate in a threatening way to someone else. So to sit really communicates, Hey, we're on the same level here, same playing field, you know, kind of level the playing field, eye to eye, that sort of thing. So sit. And can I interrupt and say, say sitting like this is very (laughs) different than sitting openly, right? So all of those nonverbal cues really matter. Absolutely. Maybe you just get a a cup of coffee in your hands so that you don't do the whole arm folding thing. So the next one beyond sitting is listening. I love that quote. And maybe it was Francis of Assisi. I'm not sure. Seek first to seek first to understand rather than be understood. So the idea is that you're listening and you're asking questions. You just want to make sure that you understand what your mate is trying to communicate to you. And then you come back with questions, not defenses, not, well, you do this, don't turn the tables, just come back with questions. What I hear you say is X, Y, Z, am I hearing you right? Uh, And is how you feel like this or, or tell me how that makes you feel. So just ask investigative questions so you can learn more. And then my counselor, my counselor describes that as being curious. Yeah. I like, like that. Which feels, I, I, I love it. Like she'll say to me, she's like, let's just be curious for a minute here. You know, she does it to get on me to, Holmes hat. Just invest. Well, and let's say, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not as, um, it doesn't feel as harsh. It's very like inviting and opening. Like, so I think that's exactly what that is with the listening and the asking, you know, it's like, let's be curious here. Well, when they're good questions, I would think that it makes the person who's talking feel very validated. And that's really what we're all looking for at the end of the day is just validation that your feelings matter. And so the next next letter in the acronym is C, and that's compromise of how can we create 
a win-win in this situation where it's not that one loses and one uh, wins. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's how can we work together as a team to make this equitable for both of us or satisfactory to both of us. And then the K is for kiss of just kiss to seal the deal. It can actually be great foreplay. I have, I've given this assignment to many clients and they come back and say, we never realized how much the tension, the underlying everyday tension in our relationship has been the wall that separates us sexually at night. But when we're able to break through that tension through the slack method to fall into each other's arms and possibly make love feels so much more natural and organic because there is trust and there is intimacy there already. So that's my favorite method. Can't say I remember I love it. every single time, but I would be better if I did. <laughs> I have this, this vision of you and Charlie, both of you um, being educated in counseling that like you sit down and you look in each other's eyes and yes, this is what you're advocating, but it's very calm, very calm arguing, like counselor arguing. I, I yeah? would say that most of the time it is, but we are still hurting little girls and boys trapped in grown people's bodies. Yeah. And sometimes we yep. still get triggered and it often has to yep. do with how we felt in previous marriages. And we just assume yep. that we're being treated that way again or whatever. Uh, but oftentimes the case, you know, the case is that we were reading the situation wrong and that that's another mm-hmm. tactic, you know, consider that the storyline that I'm telling myself about this situation may not be accurate. For example, um, in Charlie's previous marriage, he felt highly ignored. Uh, his wife traveled for work and when she was home, there was just a lot of Facebooking and that sort of thing going on. So he just felt as if she never really took the time to connect with him and communicate with him. So he felt ignored and marginalized, but yet he is an introvert. And so there are times when I realize, you know what? He's getting a little cranky. I'm starting to feel like I'm walking on eggshells a little bit. So I'm going to take a step back and give him some breathing room. I'm going to let him have his introversion time, man cave time without me asking and interrupting. So I take a step back. But then when I notice him start Uh to pout, I realize, okay, he has misinterpreted. He is assuming that I'm ignoring. Right, that you're ignoring. What I'm going to do is honor his need for that, that man cave time type of a thing. So always ask for clarification if you're confused or bewildered by your mate's actions, because it may be that they thought they were doing you a favor or they thought they were doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and that you're reading it wrong because you're looking through an old lens. And sometimes we just have to throw away those lenses and get new prescriptions. So, and the thing I would say, yeah, the thing I would say too, I think that's really good. Not operating from a place of assumption. The other thing I would say, the technique I would give is read the room. Meaning when we are hungry, when we are tired, when we are, when there's these other factors, like I think it just, we grow in our maturity when we recognize when there is good space and energy to be able to address hard topics. And that's not to say you have to be careful with that because you could perpetually put them off. But I mean, I just know like if Randy's hungry, like we are going to not accomplish anything in a deep conversation. And that's just real. That's honest. You know, Um, if either of us is way too tired, like that's not the time to probably dive into 
something big and deep and hard and consequential. So I, I call it read the room, you know, like understand the other factors going on in that moment. Yeah. 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 Another stress. Thing that, another parameter that I like to put around our argument sometimes is I'm not looking for this to be a long drawn out conversation, but I do feel the need to make my feelings known about something. And so, for example, just Sunday, we had a, a situation where he did something at church that highly upset me. I'm not sure exactly why, okay. but I just know that I was deeply emotionally triggered by it. Right. Um, and so on the way home, 20 minute ride within the first five minutes, I said, my goal is to have this conversation completely done and smoothed over by the time we arrive home. But here's what okay. happened. And here's how that made me feel. And we, I think that it was a total of six or seven minutes and literally we were done. So putting, putting limits around it to where you're just asking for your feelings to be heard and validated, and then you can move on and not harp on it. Cause I think that that's a really sensitive spot for a lot of people when their mate gets on a topic and then just harps and drones on and just digs and digs and digs and and hits that raw nerve over and over again. Uh, I think that that is probably the reason behind that. What is that passage of scripture about uh, a nagging wife being like a dripping? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To piggyback on that, though, I think couples also need to give themselves permission to put a pin in something. Mm-hmm. So like if something like Come back to can't it be, yeah, that it's okay that you can to just give voice to that, say, okay, I can see maybe this is bigger than I initially thought it was, or can, can we please circle back to this maybe in a few days or tomorrow or something like that? Yeah. Especially With if the it's hard intention. Night. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we've been talking from the perspective of the one who is hurt. If we step into the other person's perspective, there are some things that I constantly keep in my head when Jonathan is the one who's hurt. So when he expresses a feeling to me, I don't ever get to say, no, you don't feel that way. Right. Right. Like we, we do not invalidate or question the other person's feelings. Right. Um, We also, um, we don't think of how to put this. We, we don't get to insert ourselves into their struggle. It's their struggle to, um, to, in which to include us. Um, I was also thinking, that about defensiveness. So when Jonathan comes to me and shares what he's feeling, it's never appropriate to immediately say, well, I'm feeling blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, to try to one up, to try to one right. up each other. Like, oh, you think you're in pain. Well, let me tell you right. about my pain. <laughs> it is totally okay to come back to your pain right. and right. your perspective, but not immediately following what the person so, has exactly. completely invalidates. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about those things. Um, and it, so Shannon, going back to your parents argument in yeah. the car, Gonna pull the thing out. I have to say, mm-hmm. all, if I say all the time is let me make sure I understand what I hear you saying. 
So, you know, if your dad had said that, then your mom could have slowed down a little bit with the Alabama drawl and he could have heard her, but then that would have led to a lack of lifetime, a lifetime of cow stories. He would have missed out on the legacy. So, right. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I had everything to happens for a reason. I, I had to recreate the experience of passing by a pasture full of cattle just so I wouldn't think of my parents arguing every single time. And here's how I did it. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. So if you're passing by a green pasture full of black cattle and you throw your eyes out of focus, it just kind of looks like chocolate mint ice cream. And that was my granddad's <laughs> favorite. <laughs> okay. Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> it's, it's a very positive best. connotation. Okay, so I have to tell you why I was giggling earlier, uh, circling back around to our opening stories, um, talking about the praying mantis. <laughs> have you seen Bugs Life? I, I'm sure that if you raised children, you probably yeah. saw Bugs Life. So, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it's been a hot minute. <laughs> so it's stick bug season here in Springfield, Missouri. I'm seeing stick bugs everywhere. And so I snapped a picture of one and sent it to my son, Matthew, because Bugs Life was one of his favorite. And I said, I'm the only stick with eyes, because that's the famous line from the stick bug in yeah. Bugs Life. And then uh, I saw two stick bugs mating, which is a really, oh. in my opinion, an unusual sight. <laughs> very cool yeah and then I saw a second <laughs> a second stick bug couple mating the same day and I was like what are the chances and I'm sure that my son was just like oh my god mother like I'm 27 years old why are you sending me pictures of bugs having sex <laughs> but uh, the I reason, love it because I, you're Shannon Etheridge why are you not sending these pictures to Angie and I <laughs> Well, I now I'm curious. Now well, I am time curious. We were actually I telling went... him that, you know, we, we don't ask questions about sex of our peers because your peers probably right. don't know much more than you do. So if you have questions about sex, you come to us, your parents. And he said, what about insects? <laughs> I-N-S-E-C-T-S. He just wanted He's to so know, cute. but what if I have questions about insects Aww. instead of just sex? Yeah, he was oh, a very Bugs Life kind of guy. That's He's adorable. So Isn't that cute? But then it also reminds me, um, back in the heyday of the Every Woman's Battle series, there was also another series that was just selling great guns by Stormy Omardium. Do y'all remember Power yeah. of a Praying Wife? Power oh, of a yeah. Praying yeah. Husband? Power of a Praying Mom? Yeah. Well, Fred Stoker, my co-author, he was just like, yeah, but her next one's going to be Power of a Praying Mantis. I just cracked up. <laughs> so oh, I, goodness. I like that now whenever I see a praying mantis, I'm not going to think about stick bugs having sex. I'm not going to think about Stormy Amardian's next book. I'm going to think about after we have sex, but before I kill you, I need you to help me with some shelves. <laughs> right. Me too. That's a class. I mean, it really funny. indicates what's most important to you. Absolutely. The shelves. Right the shelves i get it shelves are like vital to life right. i think that that's what sets us mm -hmm. one step above the animal kingdom is the the running joke in our house is because randy's a mechanic by trade and so of course i've never had to do pay for any work on our cars or oil changes nice. or any of that and i i always tell people i like i'm like well i sleep with my mechanic so 
I don't um, have to, I don't have to worry. When, <laughs> when Jonathan gets to say, well, I sleep with my pastor. There you go. That's good. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I can't top those okay. ladies. Let's talk for a second about forgiveness. Ah, okay. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. Forgiveness. We forgive for ourselves. Forgiveness does not need to be mutual. We forgive so that we can be whole. Mm. And withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. That's a phrase from our 12-step friends. But reconciliation, which is what we're seeking in our partnerships, reconciliation does require both people. And it requires uh, humility. It it requires an apology. It requires understanding what the offender has done and how that affected the one who was offended. Um, so, so the um, the apology. I am sorry for everything wrong I've ever done to you. This is not an apology. People. Wow, what a big that is. Yes, that is a cop out. Um, so, so understanding, getting to that point, like I was talking about with Jonathan of really understanding what I've done so that I can take responsibility for it and offer an apology that gets to the heart of the matter is essential for reconciliation to take place. Well, and then the rebuilding of trust. So yes, definitely. I agree with everything you just said that it's not just, oh, I forgive you. You forgive me. Let's move on. Like right. when there's been some deep hurts, deep betrayals, whatever it might be. And it's everybody's definition of what's deep. I mean, that's like yeah. what is deep for one person may not be for another, but regardless, it's that next process of um, how do we rebuild trust? And that can be messy, hard work. Um, but the couples who do it, especially couples who've gone through like deep betrayals and they go through all that stuff, what you've just talked about. Um, it's just phenomenal. You know, I've heard some people think, Oh, I, I, you know, I don't know how anybody could, um, uh, survive an affair, like in a marriage that could survive an affair, but yet we all know couples who have, I mean, who've done, but it's because there's been that humility Uh and that accountability and that specificity about, it wasn't just a blanket. You're right. I'm a bad husband. I, I just, yeah. I'm sorry for everything I ever done. Or I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bad wife. I'm sorry for everything I ever done. It's about doing that hard, humble, genuine, intentional work of rebuilding trust and the couples who do it, it it's messy, but it's quite phenomenal when you yeah. see couples come on the other side of that. I think that trust would be a great topic for future multiple episode podcast for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Also to piggyback on what you just said, Angie, it is not an apology when you say, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings when your partner has just made it clear that you did. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. Is a, it's amazing how just one word makes such a big difference that instead of if yeah. goes a long way. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings by doing this mm. is kind of the it, full formula. And even better, I'm sorry that I made you feel that fill in the blank, like yes. reiterate what their feelings, what you understand uh-huh. their feelings to be. So I hope that this has been an enlightening conversation. If anything else, I hope that what you derived out of this is that it's normal to fight, but it's normal 
to move beyond it and really healthy when it evolves into mutual respect and trust and even admiration and appreciation and hopefully some great makeup sex. If you would like to chime in to this conversation about fighting like lovers do, if you've maybe developed a really great strategy for your own relationship that you'd like for us to share on air at some point, I hope you will email me, Shannon at ShannonEthridge.com. Julie, how can they email you? They can email me at JK Seibert, and it's S as in Sam, I, B as in boy, E-R-T at Cox, C-O-X dot net. I know, right? Like, I don't ever want to change my email just because of that. Like, I love having that on my business Fox. card. Fox.net. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fox.net, yeah. Angie, mm-hmm. top that one. <laughs> How do I can't. <laughs> Pastor Angie at msn.com. We thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. We love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. 